Bridge Youth, how are we feeling tonight? Chew! Hey, where's Rahema at? Rahema, where you be at? Hey, Rahema, you're awesome. For real. Can you make some noise for Rahema as she prayed for us? Man, she's so sick. Hey, in case we have not yet met, my name is Wyatt, Wyatt Staggers. I am here on staff at the church. I'm part of the Next Gen team. I get to oversee uh, parts of youth. I mainly get to oversee our young adults group, a few other things here at the church, like the media, marketing, stuff like that. But hey, I'm so stoked to be bringing y'all the word tonight. Whether you are brand new, whether this is your first time, whether you're a regular, this is just a part of your routine, part of your schedule, coming here every single week. Uh, no matter what it is, we like to greet all of our guests the exact same way every single week. That never gets old. Here at Bridge Youth, we are here to build you up, not... Beat you up. Hey, we love you guys. We're soaked for tonight. We good? We feeling good? Yeah? We got, we got some energy tonight? Hey, we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't even worry. Hey, we've been in a series so far called WWJD. Hold up your wrist if you got on that bracelet right now. Yeah. Dang, some good representation. Okay. Most of the time at youth group, unfortunately, if they give you something, it's like a 25% chance that you keep it or not. So it's dope to see y'all wearing the bracelets. I can't really show you mine. It's invisible right now. My fault. Um, but... We are in our series, WWJD, which stands for What Would Jesus Do? And I think it's just an amazing concept, and I think sometimes it can be even a little bit cliche, unfortunately, to say that and to ask ourselves that, what would Jesus do? On Sunday, this previous Sunday, in our Connect group, I lead a high school guys group along with uh, one of our amazing leaders, Dylan Alavio. Just got a fresh cut in the place Dylan looking great as always. We were leading our group on Sunday, and one of the questions was about WWJD, what it means to you. And one of our guys said something so simple, but I thought it was very profound. And he says, when you live your life with that idea, thinking about what would Jesus do, you always seem to choose the better option. And I just think that as we go throughout our lives, such a simple question can be such an amazing thing. And it can change the direction of our lives. And when we put it into the perspective of the choices that we make, of the people that we're surrounded by, of the words that we use, of how we live our lives, we'll start to notice that the life and the teaching of Jesus is really better than anything else that is offered in this world. Someone say amen if you believe that. Hey, so tonight what we're going to be doing is that we're going to be jumping into a book called Matthew. It is a gospel. It is all about the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And so we're going to be starting off in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, if you all have your Bibles available, we're going to be starting off in verse 21. If we can all stand in the honor of reading God's word. Maybe you're brand new to this here at Bridge Youth. When we read the Bible, we stand. Not every time, at least at the very beginning, because we want to give honor where honor is due. And so, starting off, Matthew 18. Jesus is talking at this point. He's about to give a short teaching on what we're going to be talking about tonight. So here's where it starts off. It says, then Peter came to him, talking about Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me. Now, you're probably wondering, what does that mean, right? Sins against me. It's language that we don't really use right now. Ultimately, what it means is, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone when they hurt me, when they offend me, when I feel like there is a uh, argument, when I feel like that there's a division in the relationship, how many times should I forgive them? And then Peter uh, proposes an amount. He says, seven? 
You know when you say something that you're not really confident about, so then your voice goes up and you add a question mark at the end? I almost imagine that's what Peter's doing at this point. Like, seven sounds, sounds pretty good. All right, try it out. I know you guys want to. Everyone say, seven? Right? Like, that was kind of nice. People got little, like, like, harmonies and stuff. Okay. Join the worship team. Find Jake after this. Um, Jake's like, do not. Um, but Peter hits him with, like, you know, seven? Is that... Is that enough? In Jewish culture, interestingly enough, um, it was believed that forgiving someone three times was enough. So Peter's like thinking, okay, culturally, seven is more than three, right? I mean, we kind of get that already. So Peter's thinking, I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to try to impress Jesus and all my homies beside me. I'm the holy one. I'm the sanctified one. Seven is probably a good number. But then Jesus, instead of saying, yeah, seven times works, he says this in verse 22. He says, no, not seven times. Peter's heart just got crushed right there. He says, no, not seven times. Jesus replied, he says, but 70 times seven. But 70 times seven. Right before we jump into the message, let's pray. Let's continue to stand. God, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you, God, for all that you have in store for us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to us. I pray, God, that your voice would cut through all sorts of distractions going on inside of our lives. You would cut through the noise. You would cut through this moment, God, so that your voice can resonate inside of our hearts and inside of our lives. God, that we would leave this place differently and transformed than how we came in. God, we love you, and we thank you, Lord, for this moment. In Jesus' name, everybody can say amen. amen. Hey, have your seat. Hey, can you go with me for a second in your mind, in your memory, to a point where you got hurt really bad? Does anybody have a, have a moment like that where you got hurt really bad? And I'm not talking about like a heartbreak. I'm talking about like you broke a bone. You got knocked out. You had to, you know, go into surgery. Now for me... I, I say all of that without having any of those injuries. I have never broken a bone. Anybody else with me? You've never broken a bone before? Okay. How many of y'all, you have never been, uh, like, knocked out or ever had a concussion before? Right? Okay. Probably maybe, like, the same amount. I have never had any type of surgery or anything like that. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. So maybe I have a few people in the room who are with me. Uh, when I say that, I don't really have many, like, injury stories. There's some people that I've met before and they have like war stories. It's like, dude, I remember when I tore my ACL and I just kept on running, you know, like just crazy stories. For me, I'm going to let you know about a time when I fell into a cactus. <laughs> so it, don't say, oh, it's really not that glamorous, but I'm glad that you think so. So at this point, I am maybe in like seventh grade, right? Imagine little seventh grade Wyatt running around. We are at, uh, I say we as in my family. So my mom, my older brother, and also my dad. So my dad works on the uh, Union Pacific Railroad. He goes all types of places in Southern California. And at this point, he is in a place called Indio. Has anyone ever been to Indio before? Yeah, nothing really there, right? If you ever went to Indio, you're like, why are we here right now? So we went to Indio because that is where my dad was staying. And so my mom, my older brother, and myself decided to surprise my dad. We got a hotel room. We were chilling for the weekend. And around that weekend, it was raining, okay? So remember that. It was raining around the time that we were there. And at some point, we're in the hotel room. We're chilling. Uh, we're watching a movie or watching TV, and we're having Panda Express. How many of you guys love Panda? Come on, come on. Um, we're having Panda Express at this point, and we do not have any ice. 
And we were at a hotel, which I guess would be considered a motel, because the rooms are in like an L, but the office is in a totally different building, right? So you have the parking lot all in between, and then you have the office in another building. So for me, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go get ice. I'll be the hero, right? Like nominate me. I'm the, I'm the youngest. I got to earn approval at this point. And so... I get the ice bucket, I start walking outside, and I start walking up to the office. Remember, I said that it was raining before. And you know how sometimes when you see a curb, there's curbs that are like straight edges, you know, they go up and down, they're, they're squared. This one was rounded. And so at this point, I'm just walking up, I'm chilling. And I step on the curb that was rounded. It was raining the night before, if I didn't already mention that. I slip. And so what's your first instinct when you slip? You put your hand out, and as I'm falling, I don't even realize it because it's happening so quick. My hand goes right into one of those giant round cactuses, right in the middle of it, where, where, where every single needle that is possibly in that cactus is right there, right where my hand went. So I, you know, it goes into the cactus. I pull my hand out immediately, and I'm like, ah. And I put my hand inside of my hoodie pocket. I still have the ice chest. I still held on to that. And I walk into the office. I'm acting like everything's cool. Imagine seventh grade Wyatt just walking through. He just got hurt. He's really nervous. He doesn't know what he's doing. And I walk into the bathroom, and I just pull out my hand from my hoodie, and I put it underneath the sink, and just blood streaming out. And what ended up happening was that there were needles that were sticking out, but there was like one or two that were right in the middle of my palm that got in, and then they snapped off, and now they're sticking out, not, not out of my skin, but underneath my skin. My skin is literally doing like a tent at this point with a needle stuck underneath it. And so I'm washing my hand off. There's blood coming out of it. I'm trying to, you know, put myself together. I walk out of the bathroom. I walk out with the ice bucket. I get back to the room. And my mom, you know, could tell something was wrong. She's like, what happened? And I'm like, look. And my hand, bloodied, needles sticking out of it. And I, I literally can't even close it. It's like this, because if I try to open it, my skin will open up and it hurts. And so I just show my mom and I'm like, look. And my brother hits me with, well, where's the ice? <laughs> so moral of the story, I did not get the ice. But I think that we all have stories like that, right, where we've all been hurt before. But I think we also have some stories where it's not a physical pain that we feel, but it's an emotional pain that we feel. Maybe the ways that you've been hurt isn't necessarily a sports injury, but it's something that someone said to you. Maybe it was a heartbreak. Maybe it was a rejection. Again, I could still go back to my mind. Again, middle school, Wyatt. I, I learned a lot when I was in middle school. For like, like traumatized, I guess, when I was in middle school. There was a moment when I was in sixth grade and I liked a girl, and she was a year older than me. I have an older brother who's three years older than me, and this girl, who I think knew that I liked her, hits me with, hey, can you give me your brother's number? So I just had like a punch just go straight through my left ventricle at that point. Um, also in middle school, I remember trying to hang out with my older brother, trying to be with his friends, and I still remember very vividly him telling me, I do not want you around. And again, it's hurt, it's pain, and it's not fun to go through. And so as we're talking about what would Jesus do, I think it bodes the question for us to ask ourselves, what do we do when we're hurt? What do we do when we have those sorts of pains? What do we do when we are rejected, when the pain that we're having isn't physical, but it's on the inside of us? 
It's the words that people say. It's the things that people do. It's the heartbreak. It's the expectations that we had in a relationship that were not met. It's the promise that somebody said, yes, I will keep my word, and they didn't. It's the pain that you feel not on the outside, but it's the pain that you feel on the inside. What do you do when you're hurt? I think a better question to ask ourselves as we are in this series is, what would Jesus do when he was hurt? What would Jesus do when he's hurt? What would Jesus do when he had heartbreak? What would Jesus do when he suffered loss in his life? What did Jesus do when there were moments in his life when people let him down, when people betrayed him, when people said bad things to him? What would Jesus do when he's hurt? And as we see from Matthew 18 and just two verses, we see that Jesus' response is to forgive. It's not to get even. Jesus didn't say, hey, uh, don't even worry about forgiving them. Just get even, right? Like, I think we've all heard it before where it's like, what, what is it? I don't get better, I get even, or something like that, right? Like, there you go, yeah. Like, Jesus didn't say, get revenge on the person, right? Like, ruin their life. Make a rumor up about them. Gossip about them. Hold it, hold it deep inside, right? All my guys know, just push it right down. Don't even think about it. Just let it harbor on the inside. For all of my ladies, tell everybody. I'm just kidding. But when it comes to when we are hurt, Jesus didn't say any of those things. What did he say? He said, forgive them. He said, drop it. He said, let it go. He says, it is not worth holding on to. It's not worth harboring the offense and the hurt because it doesn't do anything for us. So let it go. So forgive them. In fact, Jesus doesn't even say forgive them once, twice. He says forgive them 77 times, which ultimately shows us that it's much more than just, okay, I forgive you and now I'm going to walk away. But it's a continual process. How many of you guys know, if you've ever done sports before, that when you get injured, one of the most frustrating things that can happen when you're an athlete and when you get injured is that you have to go through this thing called physical therapy. Anybody ever been to physical therapy before? It is the most annoying thing in the world because in your mind, you think to yourself, I can do this and I am so much, you know, I'm, I'm stronger than this, I'm faster than this, I am able to do all of these drills, but yet I physically am not able to do it. And when we think about forgiveness, we have to think of forgiveness as not just a one and done thing, but it's a process of healing. It's, a, it's, it's not just a, you know, I forgive you and now let's move on, but it's I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Because there's going to be moments that come up that remind you of that thing and you got to say, I forgive you. So when Jesus says 77 times, he doesn't just mean actually 77 times, he means keep on forgiving that person. But then the question comes up, before we even jump into the message, is how do I know if I have to forgive someone, right? Because maybe you might be you know, going through something. Maybe you might have already gotten over something and you're in this like gray area of thinking, okay, well, I, I feel like I've already forgiven them. I feel like, you know, we're good, but I don't really know. First and foremost, if you're feeling that way, just forgive them, right? Like maybe you asking that self, or maybe you asking that question is a sign to say, forgive them. But maybe you're trying to think of it in the sense of, have I healed from it or not? Have I gotten over it or not? Is the relationship better or not? And the way that I would describe this, again, keep on going back to injuries and keep on going back to things like that, is that the difference between whether or not you have to forgive someone or not, whether or not you have to continue to forgive someone, is the difference between a wound and a scar. See, when I was, again, going back to middle school, I did not plan any of this. When I was in sixth grade, I remember going to Florida for the first time. 
and we have family out in Florida. And as I'm out there, as just a white kid from California, I'm thinking to myself, we're going to go down to the beach. We're going to have some fun. And I make the grave mistake of not wearing sunscreen. So I'm at the beach for like five hours. I'm in the water. And I had this great idea where I was like, I'm in the water. I can't get burnt. Apparently, you get even more burnt in the water. And so little sixth grade Wyatt is throwing the football with his cousins, having fun. And by the time that he gets back into the car, his back is as red as Mars, as red as a potato. Potato. Oh, a red potato. I'm just going to walk off. Um, but he gets back to the car and he's thinking, what have I done? Right? That is a wound. In fact, it was so bad that, okay, have you ever been so burnt before? For all my white people, have you ever been so burnt before that you get those little, like, yellow bubbles that bubble up on your skin? I had that all over my shoulders and all over my back. I remember trying to go to sleep with, like, five layers of aloe vera just laying there. Every time I turn, it's like, because I had so much aloe vera on my back because I was trying to get through this wound that I was dealing with. And if you came up to me and said, hey, Wyatt, how you doing? I would have screamed and done one of these moves. I would have tried to get out of that situation because I am wounded, right? You react when you're wounded. If you have a cut and if somebody came up and flicked it, you would react, you wouldn't think about it. You would do the first thing that comes to mind, which is probably run away. Or you would say something. Or you would try to fight them. When someone brings up the person's name who hurts you, do you react to it? Are you the first one to say, oh, I hate them. Oh, they're terrible. Oh, they're awful. I, I know, you know, hanging out with guys and hanging out with guys who, you know, I remember going to the mall trying to get girls' numbers. And there would be times where... I'm with a group of friends, and, you know, the guy goes out. He's like a lone ranger going out into the desert. He's trying to, you know, get a girl's number. You see him. You're thinking, okay, what's happening? He comes back like this, you know, and you're like, what happened? And they're like, I didn't get the number. But what do they, but what do, they do? They always go, man, I didn't want it anyways. Man, whatever. Nah, dude, she's lame. You know, when I got closer, she really wasn't, she really wasn't you know, anything. But why do they say that? Because they're hurt. Why do they say that? Because they're wounded. If you talk about the same person an hour after and no one's brought them up, it's probably still a wound. And it means that you still have to forgive them. But then you have a scar. Same story, same injury about a, about a, about a sunburn. I still have these like sunspots, these like giant freckles on my shoulders. Now, here's the thing. I got that because of that wound that I recovered from. If you came up to me and said, hey, Wyatt, how you doing? I'm not going to react. I'm not going to move because it's already healed. When you are able to respond and not react, when you are able to talk good about that person, when you are able to say, you know what? I do hope that they have a good day. When you pray for that person, when that person comes up into conversation and the first thing that you feel isn't hurt, but it's actually just regular emotions, right? You feel happy, you feel joy, you feel neutral. It's not a, it's not a pain that you feel when they're brought up. It's probably something, oh my gosh, it's probably something that you've already grown from. It's the difference between a wound and a scar. But let's take it one step further, right? So how are we to live a life of forgiveness. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live in regards to how Jesus lived? First and foremost, my sermon in a sentence for y'all is that forgiveness isn't an emotion, it's an action. 
or I think I actually wrote it out differently. It might actually be uh, forgiveness isn't an emotion, it's a choice, which is even better. Because we think to ourselves, I'm just going to live a life of forgiveness and it's just going to come naturally. But instead, we have to remember that forgiveness isn't just an emotion. It's not some emotion that we have tied to us. It's a choice that we have to make. Because the Bible talks about how there are two different things battling inside of our lives. There's our spirit and there's our flesh. And our spirit is going to want to do everything that God has for us. It's going to want to draw closer to God. It's going to want to follow God's command and follow what it is that God has for us. But then our flesh is going to do the exact opposite. And the thing is, is that we've lived with our flesh longer than we've lived with our spirit. And so a lot of times our flesh wins. And our flesh's natural response isn't just forgive them, just move on, it'll be okay. Our spirit has to come in and remind us that you should forgive them. Because it does not come naturally. It is not an emotion, it's a choice that we have to make. And so first and foremost, what would Jesus do? My first point for y'all is that he would make forgiveness a lifestyle. He would make forgiveness a lifestyle. Going back to Matthew chapter 18, when Jesus gives us this math equation about how many times we're meant to uh, forgive someone, he says, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. The first thing that we realize is that if you look at it from a, uh, from a biblical context, you'll realize that the number seven has a meaning. And that number seven means either perfection or completeness. Other translations don't say 70 times or seven times 70. It says 77 times, which if we're looking at it from the, from the perspective of, okay, seven meaning perfection, if we have two sevens, it means double perfection. It means double completeness. It means that it is a never-ending process. There isn't an amount of times that you can give forgiveness to someone. There isn't an amount of times that's going to suffice at the end of the day how many times you've forgiven someone. It is an endless, limitless process where it just continuously happens, where I just keep on forgiving. Isn't it interesting, too, when you look at it from the standpoint of, of a very practical level, how many days are in the week? So Jesus is telling us seven times 70 which means if we can look at it from a practical standpoint, every single day, I am going to forgive. Every single day, I am going to choose to forgive. But I forgave yesterday. Did you forgive today? <laughs> Why? Well, you know, I, I've already forgiven them. Keep on doing it. Keep on forgiving them. Because Jesus doesn't, doesn't, you know, give us his math equation to look at it from the standpoint of, okay, I'm on number one. Now I have 76 to go. Right? He's not saying that. He's saying it's an endless process. It's almost as if, you know, when Peter asks him, hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone? Jesus is like, yeah. Well, like how many times though? Yes. <laughs> you know, like just keep on going because there is no limit to forgiveness. And ultimately, as we make it a lifestyle, we have to choose to do it every single day to the point where it's going to become natural, to the point where it's going to become a habit, to the point where our spirit is going to be the determining factor in regards to if we're going to forgive or not. And our flesh is going to have a lower voice. It's going to have a, a, you know, a muted voice within the situation because now our spirit is making the decision every single day to forgive, to forgive, and to forgive because it is a never-ending process. But when we're making these adjustments, when we're trying to grow into forgiveness, it is important to understand that we have to be careful about who we have in our circle, 
about who we have in our lives. How many of you guys know already that when you are trying to grow in an area, when you are trying to change something, when you are trying to go in a different direction, who you are surrounded by oftentimes is going to determine the direction in which you go. And so if we want to make forgiveness a lifestyle, I would ask you the question, who are you surrounded by? Who, who is in your circle? Who are your friends? Are they people who are quick to forgive? Are they people who live a lifestyle also of forgiveness? Or are they people who hold on to offense? Are they people who harbor hurts? I think we all know these types of people. Are they people where it just seems like drama follows them everywhere that they go? You know what I mean? Like those people where it's like, like they get into a relationship and it's like, ah, he just wasn't the one for me. Go on to the next one. Ah, you know, he, he's just a jerk. Go on to the next one. Ah, you know, ah, I just can't find a good guy. Okay. In all of those situations, you are the common denominator within that situation. Fellas, if you are in that sort of relationship and you're like, bro, she won't listen to me. Well, first of all, like, she might not. But, um, you know, like, oh, dude, like, whatever. She just wasn't the one. Go on to the next one. Oh, she just doesn't complete me. You know, she just doesn't really fulfill me. Go on to the next one. Oh, dude, this one's whack too. Like, what the heck? You are the common denominator in each of those situations. And I think we all know people, and they might pop into our mind, where it just seems like drama just follows them. Are we surrounded by those people? Are we looking at those people for advice? Are we going to those people when we're hurt? Can I just let you know that it is important to be careful of the people who will validate your pain. People who will validate your offense are dangerous. People who will validate the hurt and the pain that you are feeling are dangerous people to have in your life. Because that is not the way that you live a lifestyle of forgiveness. In fact, I think that there's even friendships that are born out of this idea where the same person hurt both people and your common factor, your bonding experience was that pain and was that hurt. And, it's, and, it's, and it's, just a, it's just a zone of offense. It's just a zone of hurt. And you go back and forth with that person of, oh, man, I can't believe that they did this. I can't believe that they, that they said this. And you're just harboring this offense, and you're harboring that hurt. Be careful of people who will validate the offense that happens to you. Be careful of the people who will validate the hurts that happens to you. Because at the end of the day, you want to know what it really is? It's not that they even care about what it is that you're going through, they only care about the information that you're willing to give them. Because they don't wanna feel left out. Because they don't wanna be the one in the group to not know what it is that's going on. And so in order for them to feel validation, in order for them to feel like they're a part of something, in order for them to not be left out and lonely, they feel like that they have to feed off of the drama. And oftentimes, how many, of you guys, how many of you guys know off of experience maybe that they're always the people who are trying to stoke the fire, right? They're, they are always people who bring it up first. Like we weren't even talking about that person. Like why are you even bringing them up, you know? And they are people who want information and they don't really care about how you feel. They don't really care about your emotions. They don't really care about the situation. They only care what it is that you're willing to give them. But... Because they do that, we get trapped and we get tricked into thinking, man, this person's for me. This person's with me. Man, this person agrees with everything that I've done so far. And because they agree with us, it makes us think to ourselves, they're with me. I can trust them. 
and I can, I can have them in my corner. But what you don't realize is that they are like a leech feeding off of the drama in your life. This might be cheesy and cliche, but they are addicted to the tea. They are only there when there's drama. How many can go back to moments in your life or even friends that you have right now where the only time that they show up is when something bad happens? The only time that they show up is when you're in drama. But when times are good, they're nowhere to be found. They're with someone else. They're doing something else. They're, they're too busy now. But all of a sudden, you got something going on. Oh, tell me all about it. Because they are more concerned with being in the drama and knowing more about it than being left out of it. So be careful of people who will validate the offense that you have on your life. On the flip side, be careful of people who will discredit the forgiveness that you give to other people. These are the people who, when you tell them, oh, yeah, I'm over it. Yeah, I've, I've, I've moved on. I've forgiven that person. I haven't even thought about them. You know, we're good. We're fine. They are the ones who try to reignite the fire. They are the ones who try to remind you what they did, what they said, how they acted, how they looked at you. And they're trying to bring up this imaginary thing that you're already over. But instead of saying, okay, you've forgiven them, let's move on. They're the ones who are saying, you really haven't forgiven them, have you? They don't deserve it. They don't, they don't, they haven't earned it. See, I think what happens is, is that we live in a culture where instead of saying, I forgive you, it's I forgive you if, I forgive you if you repay me. I forgive you if you take back all the things that you just said. I forgive you if you also forgive me. I forgive you if you repay me somehow. I forgive you if you do me a favor. But what Jesus is trying to tell us is that the forgiveness that we should have is not I'll forgive you if, it's I'll forgive you even if you don't. I will forgive you even if you never acknowledge it, even if you never accept it. I will forgive you even if we are never friends again because I do not want this thing to get in the way of our relationship. I cannot harbor this offense and this pain anymore. See, I think that we know people also in our lives where they react to a lot of things, right? They're those friends where it's like, you do not want to be around them when they're mad or when they're angry or on a bad day because they will just react to everything, right? They will explode to everything. And it's like, man, I just, I, I, how many of you guys have ever heard this before? I just couldn't help myself. Right? I, like, I, I was just so hurt. I, I just couldn't help myself. I, I couldn't help but say that. I couldn't help but, but do that. I couldn't help but, you know, react that way because the pain was just so much. I couldn't help myself. But what Jesus is telling us is that it should be the opposite for us. Is that we should be the type of people who forgive people. And when somebody else asks, how can you forgive them? We don't say, oh man, I forgave them, but it was really tough. Oh man, I forgave them, but you know, I'm still holding on to it. No, it's I forgave them because I just couldn't help myself. I just couldn't help myself but forgive them. I just couldn't help myself but let go of that hurt and let go of that pain that was inflicted on me. I just couldn't help myself. That is the lifestyle that Jesus wants us to live in regards to forgiveness. And when we look at all of this, I think that what the Bible is very clear on is that there is a source on which we are to draw from when it comes to forgiving people. See, forgiving people is not based off of your own strength. It's not based off of your own ability. Like I said before, it's not something natural that comes to us. So it has to be a choice. 
that we make. But instead, we forgive people because God first forgave us. We do not forgive people based off of, you know, I'm just going to muster up enough strength. I'm going to pray enough. I'm going to do enough. And then I'll have enough to forgive this person. Then I'll have enough to let go. You know, then I'll have enough to move on from the situation. But instead, we forgive people because we have been forgiven. It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, one of my favorite books in the, uh, in the New Testament. It says this. It says, make allowance for each other's faults, a.k.a. make room for people's faults, make room for people's mistakes. Because how many of you guys know that we make some mistakes? We fall short, we say the wrong thing, we do the wrong thing, us as people. So make room for other people's faults and other people's mistakes. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And this is the part that we get to think about is it says that remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. See, we are not forgiving, like I said, out of our own strength, but we're forgiving out of the forgiveness that we have already received from God. But there's another verse. Someone say, but. There's another verse that might even scare us a little bit. It might even make us think, like, wait a minute, what does this all mean? You know when you read something and you're like, what does this mean? Like, like, is this going to change my life forever? This is going to be that sort of verse, I feel like. Matthew chapter 6, uh, Jesus is preaching and he's talking about forgiveness at this point. He actually just taught the disciples how to pray and what the proper way is on prayer and the proper mindset for prayer. And he says within Matthew chapter 6, starting off in verse 14, it says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Right? Okay, sound good. Cool. If I forgive those, God's going to keep on forgiving me. But, someone say, but. If you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. So, okay, if I forgive people, then I'll be forgiven by God. But if I don't forgive people, then I won't receive forgiveness from God. Now, here's the thing, is that this is not pertaining to salvation because salvation is a, uh, you know, it is a, what is it? Like an all-in-one package, meaning when you, when you receive Jesus, it's not just a part, right? It's not just like, you know, this is part one, and we will get to part four, and, and, and you know, your salvation will be complete. Ultimately, when we receive Jesus, we receive the full package of salvation. But I believe that what this is talking about isn't necessarily salvation's sake. I think that what it's talking about is the relationship that we have with God, meaning that when we forgive people, God will continue to forgive us. God will continue to bless us. God will continue to move inside of our lives. But it seems like the moment that we stop doing that, it seems like there's a break in the system. It seems like there's something stopping what it is that God wants to do inside of your life. Almost like, you know, if you have somebody in your life right now that you need to forgive, and we're going to get to that later on tonight, but if you have somebody on your heart that you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I, I th- that that hurt is still there. It's still a wound. I haven't healed from it. I'm still in the process of that, and I need to keep on forgiving them. And if you were to say, no, I cannot forgive them. I cannot move on from that situation. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. It is just too much for me to forgive that person. I think that what happens to us, I'll use me as an example, that if I was in that situation, God would be looking at me and saying, I want to bless you. 
I want to give you everything that I have. I want to open up opportunity. I want to move mountains for you, but I can't because you've stopped forgiving people. And so because my word says this, I cannot go against my word. And it seems like what it is is that God is looking at us and thinking, man, I want to do so much with your life. But you're not allowing it to happen because you haven't forgiven that person. Because you've refused to let go of that hurt and to let go of that pain. And I know that it's difficult. And I know that there are real moments in our lives where we look back and we think, it's just too much. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. It is, it is too heartbreaking to let that go. But I think it's amazing because Jesus does not just teach us, as in he talks a lot, he preaches a lot, but he also shows us as well. Jesus isn't one of those teachers where it's like, you know, in math class, hey, this is how you do the problem, and yeah, have fun. And you're like, hey, how do you do that? Like, can you give me an example? And they're like, no. No. <laughs> No, I'm not going to, right? Like, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is like, here is the culture, and now let me show you how it's lived. Here is how you love your neighbor and what it means, and now let me show you how to do that. And I think it's amazing because all of Jesus' teachings are all things that he ultimately lived out himself. And so when we look at this passage in Matthew 18, and we see that Jesus says, not just forgive them once, twice, or seven times, forgive them 77 times. We see that played out in one of the most horrific, awful moments of Jesus' life. As the band heads up, and as we start to land this plane, my last point for y'all is this, forgiving despite the pain. Forgiving despite the pain. Like I said before, Jesus has all types of stories in the New Testament where he forgives sinners, where he forgives people who have done wrong, where he has relationship and has encounters with these people where they come in with their hurt, they come in with their pain, they come in with, you know, their sin and all the things that, that they've done wrong, and he forgives them right on the spot. And I think it's easy to look at those stories and think, yeah, well, you know, I mean, how difficult would that be? right? Like Jesus isn't really hurt. Jesus isn't really in pain. Jesus really isn't like going through something. But what if I told you that in the moment where Jesus is going through his most pain, where Jesus is going through death, that he still forgave people. And not just forgave anybody, like a random person, but forgiving the people who nailed him to the cross. See, at this point within the gospel, at this point within Jesus's life, you can almost imagine as he's up on the cross, his back is still bloody, still dripping down from the lashes that he bore and from the whipping and from the beating that he just had. There's blood coming down his face and from his head because of the thorns that are on it. He probably has a black eye. There's even a, there's even a verse within Isaiah 52 where it says that he did not even look like a man but more like an animal. And you could imagine the sort of pain that he would have felt as he had nails, not, not only going through his wrist, but also through his feet as well. And not only that, but to add insult to injury, he is up there stripped of his clothes. There are people watching him. He is mutilated, he is beaten, he is exhausted. He's been up all night. He is stressed, he's exhausted. He is not in the best condition. He is, he is going through a painful, we can't even imagine type of situation. In fact, the word excruciating was created to describe the pain that Jesus felt 
on the cross. Could you imagine you going through so much pain that there isn't even a word to describe it? They have to literally create a word to describe the pain that you are feeling. And that's where Jesus is at right now. Excruciating pain, up on a cross, can barely breathe, is bloody, is beaten, is all types of hurting at this point. But then we find ourselves within this part in Luke 23, starting off in verse 32, ending in verse 34. It says, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, executed with Jesus. Then they came to a place called the skull where they nailed him to the cross and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And at this moment, Jesus is propped up. At this moment, like I said before, he's beaten, he's bloody, all sorts of pain, all sorts of devastation happening to him. And this is what Jesus said. It said, Jesus said, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. So in the middle of his pain, in the middle of them mocking him, in the middle of them literally gambling his clothes, Jesus, probably having every right to curse them, having every right to to not forgive them, having every right to feel all types of pain, having all types of grudges inside of him. Instead, he chooses to forgive them. See, oftentimes um, people say that in order to know who somebody really is and how they're actually gonna act, you can give them three things. Give them power, give them money, and have them be in pain. See, because when we're in pain, it almost seems like the real us comes out. It almost seems like this facade of who we're trying to put on goes away and our real selves, our real nature comes out. And in a moment where Jesus, who was totally innocent, who was totally blameless for whatever he was being accused of, is up on the cross having every right to curse them, having every right to hold on to the offense, instead chooses to forgive them. It even says within the book of Matthew, as Jesus is being arrested and Peter cuts off a guy's ear just because why not as he does that Jesus tells Peter don't you know that I could call down a legion of angels to come and protect us and so in a moment where Jesus could have called down angels to destroy everybody that was there he calls down forgiveness instead in a moment where Jesus could have done basically whatever he wanted he chose to forgive the same people who were killing him and the thing that we have to think about is that ultimately the reason why Jesus was on that cross is because of our sins. It's because of our shortcomings. It's because of our mistakes. It's because we have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. And so God sent Jesus to die on a cross so that his sacrifice would mean that we would be able to have a relationship with God. So it wasn't even that Jesus was saying, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, as in just forgive these soldiers. But Jesus is also saying, forgive them me included, because we were the ones who killed Jesus. Even though we weren't there, we were the ones who put Jesus on that cross. Even though we weren't there, we were the ones who nailed him to the cross. We were the ones who had him go through the beating. We were the ones who had him go through being humiliated so that we would ultimately have a chance to know who he is. That is the type of savior that we serve. In a moment 
where he could have said, forget this. I'm gonna have angels come down and save me. I'm gonna take the easy way out. I'm gonna hit them with a reverse card and I'm gonna get out of this situation. Instead, he says, forgive them. And I like to imagine in a, you know, if this was like a movie or a TV show, I almost imagine that in that moment, the words and the ideas that came to Jesus's mind, all the things that he could have done, all the things that he could have said, but I almost imagine that in that moment, the thing that stopped him from doing all of those things was you. Because he knew that if he got off of that cross, he knew that if he got off from that moment, then you wouldn't be here today and you wouldn't have the chance to know him. And so when you look at what it is that Jesus did and what it is that Jesus taught us, is that if Jesus could forgive me for all of this, all of the pain that I caused him, right from my elbow to my hand and even, even further than that, if Jesus could forgive me for this, then I think I can forgive somebody for this. Because when you put it all into comparison and not to minimize your hurt, not to minimize your pain, not to minimize what it is that you have gone through or what it is that you are currently going through, if Jesus can forgive us for an infinite amount of pain, then I think we can also forgive people for this much pain and for this much hurt because he first forgave us and it's out of that forgiveness that we get to forgive other people. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know what, Wyatt? I don't really know what that means. I don't really know what the forgiveness of God looks like. I don't really know what the forgiveness of Jesus looks like. You're about to have an opportunity to receive that. You're about to have an opportunity to make a decision because the same way that forgiveness isn't an emotion, it's a choice, it's the same way that salvation is, right? Salvation, you don't just fall into salvation. Salvation is a choice that we make to say, God, I wanna receive your forgiveness. I wanna receive your grace and I wanna walk in the relationship that you have for me. All across this room, bow your heads, close your eyes, not distracting anybody in this place. You're gonna have the moment right now to accept that forgiveness. You're gonna have a moment right now to say, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, come into my circumstance, come into what it is that I have going on. Because I know that I've done wrong and I know that I've done evil and I know that I've sinned against you and I know that I was the one who put you on that cross just so that I can have the chance to know who you are. In this place, in every row, in every section, nobody looking around, nobody looking. I'm gonna count to three when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand as a symbol of saying, Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to accept you into my life and I wanna receive the free gift of not only salvation, but also forgiveness of my sins and what it is that I have done to you. All across this room, again, nobody looking around, nobody snooping on anybody. This is your moment, this is your time. When I get to three, I want you to raise your hand saying, Jesus, come into my life. One, two, three, all across this place. Raise your hand if that's you, amen. You guys can put your hand down. If you were somebody who rose your hand, I wanna lead you in a prayer. And this prayer is nothing special. This prayer can just be words, but it's only gonna be words unless you actually take it into your heart and say, say it for real and mean it and believe it and have just, have just a small amount of faith behind it. Because it says in the Bible, it says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God rose him from the dead, then you will be saved. So all across this room, especially those who rose their hand, but as a family, let's repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I know I'm a sinner. I know I put you on the cross. And I'm truly sorry. But I accept your forgiveness. I accept 
your grace. And I believe that you are the son of God and that God rose you from the dead. So tonight, I'm gonna follow you. No looking back, no turning back. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can you make some noise for the people who accepted Jesus into their lives? Come on. I think we could do a little bit better. It says in the Bible that heaven erupts in prayer. It went even just one person, and there was way more than just one person. So can we make some noise for the people who accepted Jesus tonight? Hey, I want to move into another moment right now as we celebrate salvation, as we celebrate the things that God did. But ultimately, God's not done in this moment. Can we all do this without distracting, without talking, without, without, without exiting this moment? Can we all just stand up, come up to the front right now? We're going to get into a time of worship. But before we do that, I know that it would be a disservice to not have a response time be about forgiveness. Come on, keep on waking your way up. Don't be shy. We don't, I, I, know, I know that you just joined the family and you're a part of this. this, is all new, I get it. But I think that it would be a disservice to have an entire message about forgiveness and not give you the opportunity to forgive someone in your life and to forgive someone who has hurt you and to forgive someone who has wronged you. Because maybe tonight, as I was preaching, you started to think about that person. You started to think about the words and the situation that happened. You started to think about the pain and the hurt and you couldn't help but think to yourself, I gotta let that go. I gotta move on from this. And especially for those who not only call, the, uh, call yourself a Christian, but also those who just receive forgiveness. Because as you know, we forgive people because we have been first forgiven. And so what I wanna do is that if we could all look over on this side, see those prayer stations over there with the lights on. What up, Cameron? What up, Celeste? Everyone wave to Cameron Celeste. Hey. Look over on this side, please. Yeah, look over at that prayer station. Dylan, Maria, what up, what's going on? What I wanna do is that I'm gonna give you, let's say three options. One of the options is that if you feel in your heart, you know what, there is somebody. There is somebody in my life. It's a family member, it's a friend, it's somebody who hurt me, it's somebody who said things about me, it's somebody who spread rumors about me. Whatever that hurt and that pain is that you've been holding on to. I wanna give you the opportunity to utilize either one of these prayer stations. As you can see, there are papers sticking out of them. The whole point is to write down your prayer and put it into the fencing. But what we're gonna do is that we're gonna use it as a way of letting go of the pain and we're gonna use it as a way of letting go of the offense. And maybe this is the first time that you're forgiving this person. Let this be the first time of 77 times, theoretically, that you will continue to forgive that person. So you can write down their name, you can write down an initial, you can write down what happened, whatever it is that comes to mind that you just think, you know what, I need to let this go. Because I can't hold on to it anymore. I. I can't hold on to this pain and to this offense anymore because it's not doing me any good. Maybe you are in this room, and this is a bold one. Maybe you're in this room and you're thinking to yourself, the person who has hurt me and the person who I need to forgive or who I need to ask forgiveness from is in this room. 
And maybe they're a friend and you continue to be friends, but you are harboring some sort of hurt and some sort of offense against, against them. I wanna challenge you that if you are that person, to go and find that person and just ask for their forgiveness or to forgive them. And that's a bold one, that's a challenge, I get it. And that might be difficult, but remember, we forgive not out of our own strength, but out of Jesus forgiving us. And so if that person is in the room, I just wanna challenge you to find them and sort that out. Whether it's during worship or maybe even it's after service, whatever it may be, I wanna challenge you with that. And maybe, again, I, I told you guys three options. Those were two, I'm gonna give you guys a third right now. Maybe you're in this place and you're thinking, you know what, my relationship with God isn't, isn't all there. It isn't really what it used to be. You know, I've been following God for a year or so. I've been following God for a long time. And it just feels like things are off at this point. It feels like there's a block. It feels like that there's a disconnect. And I will just ask you, is there somebody in your life that you have not yet forgiven? That you have not, that you have not yet let go of? And I think the way that you can know that is that I would ask you, when you think of that person, do you want them to be blessed? Do you want the best for them? When something good happens to them, do you rejoice or do you say, ah, oh, dang it. When something bad happens to them, do you feel for them or do you almost feel like that they got what they deserved? Because maybe it's that relationship and maybe it's that unforgiveness that's stopping the relationship and stopping the connection that you once had with God. Again, let's take it to God tonight. I was watching a message today as I was prepping through tonight and the pastor was talking about relationships and he was talking about uh, being offended. And he did this whole illustration where he brought up a couple and he had almost like this planter right here. And he had these stakes that he would put in the planter. And it was a representation of the offenses that we have. And at the end of it, he put uh, the husband on one side and then the wife on the other. And he said that the offense created offense, meaning when you have offense in your life and when you have hurt in your life that you're harboring, you think to yourself, oh, I'm getting back at them. Oh, I'm really hurting them. Oh, I'm getting my revenge on them. I'm imprisoning them with my hurt and with my pain. But then that pastor said that it's not them who you imprison, it's yourself. It's not them who's hurting, you're, you're hurting yourself. It's not them who you get revenge on, it's you. So when you hold on to offense and when you hold on to forgiveness, you think to yourself, I'm getting back at them, but ultimately you're only hurting yourself. You're only hurting your relationship with God. You're only hurting the relationship that you have with other people around you. What's easier or what's better for you? To jeopardize your relationship with God or just let it go? What is a better option to hurt the relationships that you have in your life or just let it go? And if you answer that question, oh, I can't let go of it, then I pray that tonight you would have a change of heart. But if you would answer that question truthfully and say, I don't wanna jeopardize my relationship with God, I don't wanna jeopardize my relationship with other people, then utilize the prayer stations. Find that person, text that person, call that person after service and have a conversation with them to let them know, hey, I forgive you. Or can you forgive me? Because I just had my life changed tonight. All across this place, can we close our eyes?
maybe even as a sign, maybe, maybe you're somebody here tonight and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I do have unforgiveness, I do have hurt, I do have pain that I don't wanna hold on to anymore. As a sign of saying, God, I'm done holding on to it, God, I surrender it. Can we just lift up our hands as a sign of saying, God, I'm not holding on to it anymore, I'm giving it to you. I'm relinquishing this power and I'm giving it back to you. God, all over this place, Lord, with every single heart and with every single person, God, I pray that you would search them. God, I pray that you would speak to them. Lord, as your word says in Matthew, come to me, all who are weary and who have heavy burdens. God, I feel heavy burdens all across this room tonight, God. Heavy burdens of unforgiveness, heavy burdens of, of hurt and of pain. God, we pray that as we go to you, that you would take those burdens and that you would give us rest. You would give us peace. God, as we let go of these things, as this is a starting point of us having a lifestyle of forgiveness, God, I pray that we would let go of these things and give them to you. And I pray, God, that we would move in the direction that you have for us. God, I pray for relationships that have been destroyed, that have been disconnected. God, that they would come back together starting tonight. Lord, I pray that the relationship that we have with you, if it's been severed, if it's been disconnected, if there's been something blocking it, God, I pray that it would be reconnected tonight. And God, I pray that as we give these things to you, and as we let go of these things, that we can walk out of here with peace, with forgiveness, and with joy, knowing that you are doing a work in us. God, we thank you for your forgiveness. God, we thank you for who you are. And God, we thank you that you died on the cross so that we can be here tonight and that we can give the same forgiveness that you have given us to other people. God, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for it. Let's worship him.
wanna, I wanna share something with you guys tonight that I, I haven't really shared with you yet. Um, and in this moment and in the next song, we're gonna go right back into worship. These prayer stations are still open. I, I encourage you, hit these prayer stations if there's somebody you need to forgive. Many of you know my story with my biological father. Some of you don't. Um, when I was born, my, bio my biological father was gone. He was out of my life. He was on drugs. I was born addicted to drugs, um, taken from my mom. She had to do rehab. I never met my dad until I was about seven years old. Um, he came back into my life right around the same time that my stepdad came into my life, who if you ever hear me say my dad or my father, I'm talking about my stepdad because how many people know that family is more than just blood. And for me, that was always my dad. Uh, to this day, that's my dad. But around that same time, my biological father came back into my life. And I would go and see him about every other weekend. And, and I didn't know why, but I wasn't allowed to go in his house. We would go to the park around the corner to hang out. And he was around maybe six, seven months, just long enough for me to start calling him dad. And then the next weekend that we had shown up to his house, we knock on the door and somebody that we didn't recognize answered the door. My mom went into a full panic and started asking, where's Cliff? Where's Cliff? Where's Cliff? And the lady said, uh, we don't know. I don't know. He moved out a couple weeks ago. My mom said, did he leave a phone number? Did he leave an address? And she goes, he, he didn't leave anything. And I never saw my dad again. When I was in junior high, my, my mom told me, my mom told me that she had a conversation the visit before because my dad was obviously still on drugs. And she told him, Cliff, it's either drugs or Corey because I'm not gonna keep bringing him around if you're gonna be high when he's around you. And evidently he chose drugs. Just a few months ago, my biological father emailed me and it's the first time that I talked to him since I was seven years old. If it's okay, I'd like to read you some of the email of what he sent me. Um, I'll just read kind of his introduction. He said, Corey, I don't know how to start this line of communication or if you even want to. I just want to say that I love you and I always have and that I'm sorry for not being the father that I should have been. He goes on to um, just express like how guilty he felt, how much shame he felt. So here's what I emailed him. I said, hey Cliff, wow, I didn't know that this moment would ever happen. Thank you for reaching out and thank you for the kind words. I want you to know that I have nothing but love for you. I have total forgiveness in my heart towards you and I wish you well. I can't help but to love and forgive as Jesus has forgiven me so much. In the midst of so many ups and downs in life, God has blessed me so much. Life has turned out amazing. And it's all because God is just so good. So while I know you might feel some level of guilt or regret, please let that weight be lifted off your shoulders. I pray you come to know Jesus and his forgiveness like I have. Like I said, life is good. I've been married for over 14 years to my amazing wife, Amber. I've been in full-time ministry for around the same amount of time. No kids yet, but Amber and I look forward to the day that we'll, we will be able to foster and adopt. My wife and I have spent most of our marriage as youth pastors. We're now next-gen pastors and oversee kids, youth, and young adults ministries. 
We're at a church in the Temecula Valley in SoCal called The Bridge. We absolutely love it. I went on to tell him, see, man, like, God's just blessed me so much. And can I tell you, like, it's amazing because his response was like, it was kind of wild because he goes, Corey, I know that you're at The Bridge. I, I've watched you online. I've watched you preach. He said, it's just hard for me to watch you preach because I feel so much guilt and shame. To which I, I came right back and said, please, man, no guilt, no shame, just freedom for you, dude. And it's amazing that it wasn't only me extending freedom to Cliff, it was me getting freedom. Because I remember the first time, because I didn't grow up in church, I remember the first time I was sitting in a service where somebody said, hey, look at this Bible verse. It says that God is your heavenly father. And as a 15-year-old whose dad abandoned him for drugs, I thought to myself, that sucks so bad. Because the only reference for a father that I have is a horrible one. And what do you think that did to my relationship with God saying, eh, I don't want you to be my heavenly father. And it wasn't until I forgave my earthly father for abandoning me that I can get super way, way more close to my heavenly father who said he'll never leave me or forsake me. This isn't about like, yeah, like you guys should forgive because you know, you look down at your WWJD bracelet and you're like, that's what I should do because I'm a Christian. No, it's because you're freaking in prison, but the key's in the cell with you. I've heard it said unforgiveness. It's like, it's kind of like setting yourself on fire and hoping that the person who hurt you dies of smoke inhalation. You're the one who gets freedom. You know what the best part about the next email my dad sent me was? He said, Corey, I know Jesus. I know the Lord. I've had my ups and downs, but I've always come back to God. And I said, hey, then don't trip chocolate chip. I'll see you in heaven and we'll make up for lost time when we get there. You know how forgiveness began in my heart towards my dad? I prayed for him. You ever pray for someone who's hurt you? I'm not talking, God, I pray they get hit by a car. <laughs> no. But pray that they're blessed. Pray that they find Jesus. Pray that they get grace and forgiveness and they make it to heaven. Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 43, he said, You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So here's what we're gonna do. Many of you have already gone to the prayer station. Some of you are gonna go during the next song. Some of you had some conversations with each other. Some of you, while you were singing and lifting your hands, you were giving that thing to God. So what we're gonna do now is take the first big step in forgiving. We're gonna pray for the people who have hurt us. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some words. I want you to repeat them. And then we're gonna get to the part where we say, God, I forgive and you're gonna say their name, and I'm gonna say the name of somebody, because can I tell you, it's not like it's just, oh yeah, I forgave my dad once and it's all good. Oh yeah, like I, 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 forgive, I forgive my wife's dad for abandoning her as well. No, because every single time that I see my wife tear up at a wedding because she's watching the father-daughter dance that she never got to have, 
that creeps back up in my heart. And I go, oh God, like I would love to just, you know, right in the kisser. And then I have to put my heart in check and say, uh uh-uh. Would you do me a favor, bow your heads, close your eyes. Would you just say this as we pray for those who have hurt us? Everybody say this, say, dear God, I forgive. Now just write out loud under your breath, say their name. Again, say, dear God, I forgive. Say their name. All right, now say this, dear God, would you bless? Now say their name. God, I pray that freedom would flow freely to us so it can flow freely through us. God, I pray we would experience your freedom in this place right now in a way that we never have. And through experiencing that freedom, we wouldn't be able to help ourselves but to forgive those who have hurt us. God, I pray for any of the the young ladies in the room who've had, had their trust broken. God, I pray for any of the young men who, like me, dealt with abandonment. I pray for people who had friends who stabbed them in the back. And I pray, God, that we would just freely forgive so that we can walk in freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're gonna worship again. And these prayer stations are still open. These these people at the prayer stations would love to pray for you. So in this moment, let it be one more time that you're just bringing these things to the Lord. You're releasing them. If you need to go write their names down, if you need to write initials down, man, if you need to draw a picture, I don't care. Whatever you need to do in this moment to get rid of that thing that's keeping you in bondage and forgive, you do it. Come on, let's worship.
Amen. Amen. Now, I just feel it's like overwhelming, like sense of freedom in the room. And I pray that anybody who took the time and was like seriously like pressing in this moment, chose to forgive. I pray you walk out of this room like with some weight off your shoulders. Hey, can we just say thank you to Wyatt for that awesome message tonight? Hey, now can we make some noise for the people who gave their life to Jesus tonight? Hey, that's the best decision you could ever make with your life. I'm so proud of you. I promise you this. There's a lot of decisions that I regret in life, some of them in my emo phase. But hey, one decision I do not regret ever, not for a moment, was giving my life to Jesus. I promise you, it's a decision you'll never, ever regret. But hey, this isn't the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. We want to walk this journey out with you with something that we call the next seven days. It's seven videos to help you in your faith journey. You could just go to our Instagram, at bridge, Y-T-H underscore. DM us the words next seven. We'll handle the rest. If you don't have Instagram, uh, you can't get a hold of us there, come find me. Come find my wife. Come find Wyatt. Any one of our leaders, chat with them. Say, hey, I prayed the prayer. I want the next seven days will get you the next seven days in another way. Hey, right after service, the prayer stations are still going to be open. This Sunday morning, we are getting into connect groups actually to discuss this message tonight. So if you had questions, you want to further the conversation, don't miss Sunday morning. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Hey, in freedom, anybody else want to worship one more time? Come on, let's worship. Let's go, Bridges. I'm going to need your help with this. Let's put those hands together. Come on. Let's get real joyful tonight, come on. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul.
another one